Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. So today is going to be a very, very interesting episode. And I actually want to give a little disclaimer at the beginning here before we begin. We're going to be talking about some graphic stuff today. So if you have kids nearby you or in the car or wherever, I'd recommend not doing this episode in front of them because this is going to be talking a lot about women and women's sexuality and just sex in general. So we're going to be getting into this today. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 30, the end of the chapter. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version, as always. If any man takes a wife and goes into her, hates her, accuses her of shameful things, and gives her a bad name, and says, I took this woman, and when I came near to her, I didn't find her in the tokens of virginity, then the young lady's father and mother shall take and bring the tokens of the young lady's virginity to the elders of the city in the gate. The young lady's father shall tell the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as his wife, and he hates her. Behold, he has accused her of shameful things, saying, I didn't find in your daughter the tokens of virginity, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. They shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. The elders of that city shall take the man and chastise him. They shall fine him one hundred shekels of silver, and give them to the father of the young lady, because he has given a bad name to a virgin of Israel. She shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days." But if this thing is true, that the tokens of virginity were not found in the young lady, then they shall bring out the young lady to the door of her father's house, and the men of that city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done folly in Israel to play the prostitute in her father's house. So you shall remove the evil from among you. If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall remove the evil from Israel." If there is a young lady who is a virgin pledged to be married to a husband, and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones, the lady because she didn't cry, being in the city, and the man because he has humbled his neighbor's wife. So you shall remove the evil from among you. But if the man finds the lady who is pledged to be married in the field, and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lie with her shall die. But to the lady you shall do nothing. There is in the lady no sin worthy of death. For as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field. The pledged to be married, lady cried, and there was no one to save her. If a man finds a lady who is a virgin, who is not pledged to be married, grabs her and lies with her, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the lady's father fifty shekels of silver. She shall be his wife, because he has humbled her. He may not put her away all of his days. A man shall not take his father's wife, and shall not uncover his father's skirt. All right, the first thing I'm going to ask you guys to do while we're discussing this portion of scripture is to take off your Western lens. (laughs) As I had to take off my Western lens when I was researching this, and I've actually been researching this for a really long time, actually, for several hours now, but not only tonight, I have been researching this portion of scripture for 
actually a few weeks because I knew it was coming up and I really wanted to present this to you guys the best way I possibly could. So I'm excited to talk about this. So let's talk about the first portion here, which is verses 13 through 21. So already we can see in verses 13 and 14 that there is some strong language being used. So it says, if a man takes a wife, goes into her, hates her, accuses her of shameful things, gives her a bad name. So, I mean, that's some strong language. This guy really doesn't like this girl he married for whatever reason. And I would guess that it had something to do with he didn't have a good time in the bedroom with her because it, it almost makes it seem like it's right after their wedding night. You know, if a man takes a wife, goes into her, that's old fashioned language to say has sex with her <laughs> and hates her and accuses her of shameful things. So I don't know why he would hate her. Maybe she just wasn't very good in the bedroom. Maybe she had some sort of disfiguration under her clothes that he didn't know about. Maybe he just didn't find her attractive. Who knows what was going on in this situation, but this guy decides he doesn't like her, so he ends up hating her, and he decides to try to get rid of her some way. And the way he's trying to get rid of her is he accuses her of shameful things and gives her a bad name. So we see that God with this law is actually putting a protection on girls like from this situation he's putting a protection on women so that's that's what we have to look at this as i think a lot of skeptics like to read this particular portion and be like this is so old-fashioned and so anti-woman and so sexist but yet god is is literally like protecting young girls from the situation now i think one of the other reasons we have such a hard time with this situation is because it doesn't really happen anymore like women do have more of a voice. Virginity is not honored as much anymore as it used to be. In fact, this is one of the few times in history that virginity is not honored, actually. And I'll get more into that later. But basically, this young girl, God is putting a protection on her. But we have a hard time seeing that because it's just very, very different nowadays. But anyway, this guy, in order to get rid of his wife somehow to try to divorce her, he goes to the elders of the city and he says, I took this woman and when I came near to her, in other words, when I had sex with her, I didn't find her in the tokens of virginity. So he's like, she wasn't a virgin and I know she wasn't a virgin. And this is just shameful. So he's giving his brand new wife a bad name just because he didn't like her sexually because she didn't fulfill him in whatever way he wanted. So it says here that the lady's father and mother, the young lady's father and mother shall take and bring the tokens of the young lady's virginity to the elders of the city in the gate. So what this means is that the, uh, the, the father and the mother would band behind this young woman and be like, first and foremost, she is a virgin. We know she is. She's been prudent all these years. She's been living in our house. And we also have proof of her virginity. And this is when they would present the cloth. And what does this mean? So let's talk about this <laughs> little bit of sex education here on the Bible Explained podcast. So, <laughs> all right. So women have this thing called a hymen. Typically, the hymen gets broke on the wedding night. 
Okay, that is historically what has happened. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, when the hymen breaks on the wedding night, the woman bleeds. And that's what the cloth would be. From the broken hymen, it would be the blood, which would prove that this woman was, in fact, a virgin. Now, a lot of people look at this and they're just like, this is so sexist, this is so rude, you know, because... Women can often break their hymens well before they lose their virginity just because of, you know, sports or whatever. So let's talk about that. First and foremost, there were no gynecologists back in these days, okay? There was no women's health. There was no women's doctors. There was nothing like that. Think about who God is talking to here in the Old Testament. Think about who he gave this law to. He gave this law to ancient people who had no understanding of health and wellness and germs and and women's health. They had no understanding of any of this. So God was giving this rule in a way that the people could understand without gynecologists or anything like that. Secondly, there were no sports back in these days. (laughs) Because that's one of the that's one of the um, things that uh, modern people are irritated with with this passage. They're like, well, you know, you can break your hymen. A girl could break her hymen before she even has sex and she could still be a virgin if her hymen got broken. But the fact of the matter is, even nowadays, the, the hymen getting broken before the marriage night usually has to do with like strenuous activity, activities like gymnastics, horseback riding, sports, soccer, like Things that these people back in these days just didn't have. The ancient people didn't play soccer, I don't think. Maybe they did. I don't know. Girls probably didn't. They didn't do horseback riding. I would guess for the most part, women just kind of stayed at home. Like the typical woman back in these days, before she was married, would just live in her father's house. She would learn the ways of a woman She would learn how to do things that women back in these days did. And typically it didn't involve a lot of sports or strenuous activities. Maybe it did it sometimes, but I would guess the average girl didn't partake in a lot of sports. Most girls, I would guess at this time period, would have had an intact hymen if they were a virgin. So when the the mother and the father present the cloth to the elders, this is the proof of the girl's virginity. And this is something they would do before gynecologists even existed. And yeah, I think the girls would save the marriage cloth. I'm pretty sure it was like considered to be like a sacred thing back in these days. They would save the cloth of their marriage. And so the parents of this young woman would present the cloth to the elders uh, elders of the city and they would find the man in other words the husband who tried to accuse his wife of shameful things they would find him guilty and they would fine him a hundred shekels of silver this is like several pounds of silver that this man would have to pay to the father. And not only that this man would now have his name in turn kind of degraded instead of his wife's name and his wife's family's name. And so this this uh, husband would have to pay his wife's father, his father-in-law, all this uh, these pounds of silver. Not only that, he would kind of be looked down upon after this, I would guess. And then that woman would remain his wife forever and he could never, ever, ever divorce her. He could not divorce her. 
because of everything that he did. Now, don't forget, there is nothing in scripture where God talks about a man taking more than one wife. And I should mention that culturally it was done. But in scripture, it actually says multiple times, even in the Old Testament, about one woman and one man being the ideal family unit. And that was how things were supposed to go. So technically, this man, not only could he not divorce his wife, but he wasn't also supposed to take another wife. There was no rule for that. There was no command for that also. And I just want to throw that out there. Though, unfortunately, the people back in these days did do that. But regardless, this woman was taken care of for the rest of her life. She was, her name was now restored as being a virgin of Israel. It actually is what it says here. Um, He has given a bad name to a virgin of Israel. So she is something special. A virgin of Israel was something special. And so her name should not be dragged through the mud. And so now she was restored, basically, after all this. But it says here in verse 20 and verse 21, however, if it is found that it's true that this man discovers that his wife that he took was not a virgin, then he was supposed to go to the elders and that young girl was supposed to be stoned. And this was only if... It was absolutely true that the mother and the father could not prove that this girl was not a virgin, that she was sleeping around in her father's house and the father and the mother knew about it. And also that the marriage cloth could not be brought forward. Then the girl was supposed to be stoned because she was sexually immoral in her father's house. Now, this, of course, brings me back to my original point of how Virginity was something special back in these days. Virginity was prized. And now, for some reason in our culture, virginity is not prized at all. At all. And it's actually looked down on. And this is one of the first times actually in culture that virginity of a woman is not prized. Which is very sad. But virginity really is something so special. It is so special that... You only get once in life. And once it's taken away from you, it can never be given back. And so how special would it be, you young ladies that are listening to this, how special would it be for you to experience giving your husband on your wedding night the most awesome gift that he could ever literally get instead of giving it to some rando that you have no clue who they even are? And unfortunately, it's something you will never get back If you do do that, that's why I encourage you ladies listening who are virgins to just wait. It is it is worth it. It really, really is worth it to know that you were not only able to wait and you had the fortitude to do that. But honestly, if you really want to be unique in today's culture, because everybody is looking for uniqueness nowadays, hold on to your virginity, because that really, really does make you unique. And this isn't just for young women. This is absolutely for men as well. Men should remain virgins until they meet their wives also. I think the healthiest relationship starts out with both of you learning and experiencing that together. Like starting your relationship off right by being completely and totally 100% dedicated to the partner you are going to spend the rest of your life with 
And that starts in the bedroom, of course. So you men, just as much out there, if you are still virgins, hold on to that because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, I do want to do a disclaimer. I am not trying to be mean against anybody who did not wait before marriage. Really, this is me just trying to be encouraging to young people out there that are listening in that don't see the point of waiting for marriage or don't want to wait for marriage. I'm just trying to encourage them that it is good. It is good to wait. But the encouragement that I'll give any of you guys out there who didn't wait before marriage or are, have had sex before and are single and, you know, maybe feel guilty about it or are currently living that lifestyle of having multiple partners or anything like that. My encouragement to you is go back and listen to Thursday's episode or just go and read John chapter eight, where Jesus forgives the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, because there's always a second chance for you. If you are wanting that second chance, there is always forgiveness for you if you are seeking forgiveness. And that is absolutely my encouragement to anybody who is struggling with some sort of sexual addiction right now or something that you just feel guilty about or something you just want to change regarding your sex life. But I'd actually like to talk about verses 20 and 21 a little bit more before we begin or before we continue. I'm sorry. I know this episode is going to be very long today, just to let you know. It's going to be much longer than usual, just to throw that out there. But it says here, it's talking about the virginity of the young girl was not found. And because she had played the prostitute in her father's house, she would be stoned for her sexual immorality. There's something really interesting I have actually noticed about scripture and something I've come to learn over the years that I find absolutely fascinating. God typically places the man with the leadership responsibilities in a lot of different cases. You can see that with marriage. You can see that with politics in general. God often places that burden of responsibility, that burden of leadership on the man's shoulders. However, women have the responsibility to lead men when it comes to sex. And here's what I mean by that. I believe God placed the leadership role when it comes to sex on the woman and not on the man. You can actually see that with a lot of the verbiage that scripture takes. It's often telling the woman to remain pure. Now, it does say this to the man also because the man has problems with lust. But when it comes to defining the sexual culture, women overwhelmingly have that responsibility. This is actually very evident in healthy marriage relationships. In a healthy marriage relationship, the woman is actually the one who leads sexually. If the man is in charge of sex, typically that relationship is not as healthy. Typically, that relationship is not as happy. But when the woman is the one who leads sexually, the marriage relationship is much healthier and happier. And this is also true for society. Women actually have the right to say no to men and men's advances. They have that right. Now, of course, men sometimes will take advantage of that. We're going to talk about that in a moment here when it comes to rape. But overwhelmingly, the sexual culture is defined by women. And that's why God here is giving these women these rules. He's saying, don't do this. Don't cause promiscuity to enter the land of Israel. Don't do it because women lead when it comes to sex. Typically, at least 
they are given the right to lead. Now, you guys may disagree with me on that point. I would be very interested to hear your viewpoints about that. What do you think about uh, women leading sexually? Do you agree with that or disagree with that? However, I do encourage you guys to listen to a Jordan Peterson interview that I actually just watched, and it came out a couple weeks ago, and it was a very, very fascinating interview. It actually was Jordan Peterson talking to a young woman from Great Britain who wrote a book about the, the problems with the sexual revolution. And she went into women having the right to say no and how, you know, sex is now considered to be like a woman's right, blah, 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 blah. And it was just a very, very fascinating interview that I actually encourage everybody to listen to because I think pretty much anybody can really learn from it. I'm going to drop a link to that to that uh, Jordan Peterson interview actually in the bio of this podcast episode. And no, I am not in any way sponsored by Jordan Peterson He has no clue that I even exist, but I like his interviews and I think that they are awesome. I think they are mostly awesome. I think that they're pretty great. So I will drop a link to this recent interview in the bio of the podcast episode so you guys can check out what is wrong with the sexual revolution nowadays and whose fault is it and what are women's roles in it and what should women do for the future and what should men do actually because men also play a role and a responsibility in a lot of this as well. But let's talk about verses 22 through 30. It says, If a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So he shall remove the evil from Israel. So this is kind of talking about that whole concept again, like what we talked about on Thursday, with the adulterer and the adulteress, both having equal, you know, sin in the matter, and that sin was worthy of the death penalty. I talked a lot about that on Thursday's episode, which I do recommend going and listening to also. But moving forward in verse 23, if there is a young lady who is a virgin pledged to be married to a husband and a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city. You shall stone them to death with stones. The lady, because she didn't cry being in the city and the man, because he has humbled his neighbor's wife. So you shall remove the evil from among you. So God is even talking about marriage relationships when it comes to a woman being pledged to a man. Now, this would have been different back in these days. It was more than what it is nowadays. Like a fiance relationship is uh, is a little bit different than this. This young woman made a promise to this man to be married to him. Honestly, they went through the marriage ceremony and everything. The only thing that didn't happen is that the man has not had sex with this young lady yet because typically that man would go out for however long it took to go build a house and, you know, find a place for him and his new wife to live. And during that time, she was still married to him. They hadn't had sex yet. She was pledged to be his wife. She was pledged to move in with him, to start a family with him and uh, all that good stuff. But she did not remain faithful to him while he was away. And at that point, God still considers that to be an act of adultery because she was promised to this other man. And so it says here, if it's a city and this woman doesn't cry out, in other words, she doesn't scream that this random man is raping her, then God says, because she didn't scream, this is an adulterous affair. And so then at that point, that is considered adultery and that was worthy of the death penalty. 
Now here in verse 25, but if the man finds the lady who is pledged to be married in the field and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man shall die because she could have screamed. Maybe nobody heard her. She was out in the middle of a field. She got raped by this guy. There's no evidence. There's no proof that this girl didn't scream and only the man was to die. Now, I would guess, of course, if the woman and the man were in the city and a guy like takes this girl and rapes her and uh, she does scream, of course, that man would die. That man would be worthy of the death penalty because he violated this girl and she did scream. And at that point, yes, rape was considered to be wrong. It was considered to be a sin. But let's move on to verse 28, actually. So verse 28 is one that is very much scrutinized by critics. They get very mad about this verse. It says, if a man finds a lady who is a virgin who is not pledged to be married, grabs her and lies with her and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the lady's father 50 shekels of silver. So a lot of people say that this verse is talking about a rapist. And if I'm being honest, the first time I read this verse, and I read it in multiple versions, actually, I was also very perplexed. I was like, man, this doesn't seem fair that this girl had to marry a rapist. This doesn't seem fair. And so I dug a little bit deeper on this verse, and I actually discovered something. The Hebrew word here, the word grabs in English, is the word tapas in Hebrew. And the word tapas in Hebrew, which means to grab or to take, could be talking about a plethora of things. It could be talking about taking a wife. It could talk about taking a bath. It could be talking about taking something that isn't yours. In other words, rape. So the fact is, this Hebrew word tapas, this very well could just be talking about a man and a woman who decided to have sex with each other. And so it says here that um, this man takes this girl or grabs her. And if depending on the version that you're reading, it actually might translate it as rape, which is why I kind of like the W.E.B. version, because it was the literal word grabs. And also, if you look in the NLT version, it says it doesn't talk about rape at all. It just says if two if two people are discovered having sex and one of them is a virgin, basically, because here's what it says in verse 28. It says, if they are, and they are found rather. So why would they have to be found out? You know, that seems kind of suspicious to me if this is a rapist situation. If they, they are found, like why wouldn't this girl scream? Why wouldn't she fight back? Why wouldn't she claim she was raped? Like, why would they have to be found out? That puts some of the blame on the girl as well. And why would God put the blame on the girl? in the situation because we can see right before this that the girl in the field who got raped, the man was supposed to die. The man was supposed to pay for that sin. The girl, it actually says here, she, there was no one to save her. And this is similar to like a murder situation. The, the girl has no fault in this at all. So why all of a sudden in verse 28, if this is a rapist, why would the blame be put on the girl? That just doesn't make any sense to me. But the word for the rapist in verse 25 is a totally different Hebrew word that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> so why are the, the Hebrew words different 
if this is talking about a rapist situation in verse 28. So to me, this seems a lot more logical that this is not a rapist situation and that together this man and this virgin were found out that they were having sex. At that point, that girl would be married to that man. And uh, it says the man had to pay the lady's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her and he may not put her away all his days. But let's just say that this was a rapist situation. Let's just say that. This is a punishment, honestly, for this man because now he has a woman that he has to take care of, that he has to feed, that he has to pay his uh, his father-in-law now. He is forced to marry her. And not only is he forced to marry her, he can never divorce her. So honestly, this is not a winning situation for this rapist. But regardless, I personally do not think that that is what this is talking about here, just based upon the Hebrew word tapas, which could mean a multitude of things. Now in verse 30, to conclude, it says, a man shall not take his father's wife and shall not uncover his father's skirt. (laughs) Yeah, this is just disgusting. Basically, it's talking about how a man should never, ever, ever marry one of his father's wives, even if it's not his own mother. If his dad had sex with somebody, the son should not be having sex with that woman, basically. And honestly, that is just icky. And I'm not really going to go into that one a little bit more. But what I am going to say to conclude is that virginity is something that I think we should get back to normalizing. I don't know why all of a sudden it's like oppressive that a girl should remain a virgin. I don't know why it's considered oppressive to women that virginity is looked at as something precious because that's what modern society has twisted it as. You know, virgins are oppressed. They should be allowed to go out and and experience their sexual freedom and sow their wild oats or whatever. But honestly, look at the women who are saying this. They are depressed. They are realizing that the whole sexual revolution thing is just not working. It's not working. It didn't work in the old days and it's not working now. And I don't know why women and men both continually go back to it because it's not working. In the end, it is not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling at all. And that's why now, and if you listen to that that interview I told you about with Jordan Peterson, you're gonna see that the tide is turning and girls, younger girls are turning away from the sexual revolution in mass, which is awesome. I'm so excited about that. But they're turning away from it because they're realizing that it's damaging to oneself. It's damaging to society. It's just not good. And it creates a whole bunch of problems that I really don't want to go into today. Because if I'm being honest, I've been recording this podcast episode for like an hour and a half. (laughs) So I am done talking for tonight. But friends and faithful listeners, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And I hope that you share it on your social media platforms or just tell people that the Bible Explained podcast exists. Now, of course, grab your bumper stickers. They are in the P40 Ministries shop. If you would like to support the Bible Explained podcast, grab yourself a bumper sticker. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Happy listening and God bless.